morning. It is good to be with you today. I want to say right off the bat, if I were 30 pounds lighter or three inches taller, I'd be wearing Travis's sweater at second service. Did no one else notice that? I'd have the hood up, Travis. I'd be wearing, there you go. There you go. It's like the greatest sweater ever. Hey, we are really honored to have you with us today. I know that there's a lot of us who are somewhere else, and I don't know why you would leave Central Florida in the middle of December, but I know there's several of you that are from somewhere else, and you're with us today, so we want to welcome you here to worship with us. We're visiting family or passing through, whatever it is. Um, it's good to all be together. For the past couple of weeks, we have spent our time focusing on the birth of Jesus. And we've looked at what that gift meant to the entire world, how all nations of the earth have been blessed through Jesus. And then we sharpened that focus just a little bit, and we talked about what that gift meant to us personally, that through Jesus we have been freed from the power of sin. This morning, we're going to take another look at the birth of Jesus. And we spent the last couple of weeks looking at it through the context of different conversations that people had with an angel. Remember, a couple of weeks ago, we looked at an angel's conversation with Mary. And then last week, we looked at an angel's conversation with Joseph. Today, we're going to look at another conversation that an angel has with a group of people, albeit a sort of a, a one-sided conversation. But before I get there, uh, I, I want to share with you something that was published in USA Today a few years ago. Now, USA Today is kind of famous for graphs and pictures and, and listicles. And, and not too long ago, they, they had a list of 25 people who have touched us on an emotional level in the past several decades. Not 25 of the most important people, not 25 of the most influential people. It was 25 people who have touched us on an emotional level. Some of these were just really ordinary people that found themselves in extraordinary situations. Some of these people were already kind of famous before something happened that kind of made us connect with them on, a, on an emotional level. But it's an interesting list. Let me share with you a couple names on that list, see if you agree or disagree. Number one on the list was the first responders at 9-11. We all remember that and what an emotional event that was. And we're all Im impressed by the courage and and the sacrifice that those men and women had as they rushed towards those falling buildings. Number three on the list was Princess Diana. Number four was the space shuttle uh, Challenger astronauts. Mother Teresa was on the list at number 10, as was Muhammad Ali and Pat Tillman. And then at number 22, there was a name that surprised me. And it doesn't surprise me that she's on the list because hers was a very emotional story. It surprised me because I'd completely forgotten her story. How many of you remember the name Jessica McClure? Anyone? If you're young, you won't remember that name. If you're older than 30 or 40, you might remember baby Jessica. Does that ring a bell? 1987. October of 1987. Almost exactly 30 years ago. 18-month-old Jessica McClure fell into a well in the backyard of her aunt's house in Midland, Texas. For 58 hours, a rescue team kind of held the, the uh, attention of not just that town or that state, but really the whole country 
as we all watched and waited to see if they were going to be able to save that little girl. Baby Jessica fell into the well on a Wednesday morning. She was rescued on a Friday night. And if you're old enough to remember that, you'll remember that image of those uh, paramedics or rescuers, whoever they were, that pulling that little baby out of that well, wrapped in gauze, strapped to a board, rushed to the hospital. It's hard to believe that was 30 years ago. Almost exactly 30 years ago. And I started wondering, whatever happened to her? Whatever happened to baby Jessica? Where is she now? So I Googled her. (laughs) Turns out, baby Jessica is living a pretty normal life. She has absolutely no recollection of ever being trapped in a well. She has very few physical scars from that ordeal and apparently no real emotional scars either. She's lived a very quiet, normal life for the past 30 years right there in Midland, Texas. Now, you're wondering, what does that have to do with the birth of Jesus? Well, I tell you that story to kind of set up a, a where is she now, where are they now sort of thought as we look at the idea of a conversation that some an angel, some angels, had with a group of shepherds when Jesus was born. This morning, I want to focus on the shepherds. We're actually going to focus on Jesus, but I want to do it through the context of uh, a conversation that the angel had with the shepherds. So Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be. Verse 8. And there were shepherds living out in the, living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Nothing unusual about that. There had always been shepherds watching their flocks at night in the fields. In fact, in that part of the world, there's still shepherds watching their flocks in the field at night. Nothing unusual. But the story is about to get pretty unusual. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. An angel appears to the shepherd. The glory of the Lord shines around them. I don't know exactly what that means. I'm assuming it's a bright light. I do know what it means when it says they were terrified. You know, we talked last week, that's sort of the default reaction when you realize you're in the, in the presence of, of uh, heavenly beings. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today in the town of David. A Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. Today in the town of David, they knew that was Bethlehem, a Savior has been born. He's Christ, the Lord. We are so used to saying Jesus Christ that we kind of think that's his last name sometimes. Joseph and Mary Christ had a little boy. They named him Jesus. Not at all. The, the, uh, in the Greek, Christ is the same word that's translated Messiah in the Hebrew. Hebrew, it's Messiah. Greek, it's Christ, which literally means the anointed one. So when the angels announced that in Bethlehem a baby has been born, he is the Christ, those those shepherds knew exactly what the message was. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. He is the Anointed One. Verse 12. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, it sort of appears that one angel has been doing the talking here. 
One angel appears, speaks to the shepherds. The glory of the Lord shines around them. That would be pretty intense. Um, that angel had those shepherds' attention. As hard as it is to believe, the scene is going to become even more intense for those shepherds. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel. So it seems that heaven opens up and a great company of the heavenly host appears. Some translations say the armies of heaven show up. Imagine that for a minute. The armies of heaven show up and they begin to sing, or at least they begin to chant, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. That's what these armies of heaven are saying. Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to, to men on whom his favor rests. I don't know how long that went on, but could you imagine seeing that at night? If you're a shepherd, you've been out doing what you do. This night's like every night, you know, a thousand others. We're out here watching sheep, nothing going on, and then all at once, something's going on. An angel appears, tells us that the Christ has been born in Bethlehem. The armies of, uh, of heaven show up. They start chanting, praising God. What do you do? If you're one of those shepherds, what would you do? If I had been one of those shepherds, I think I would have done exactly what they did. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem. <laughs> I got an idea. What do you say we go to Bethlehem? I don't know. It's pretty late at night. Let's go to Bethlehem. I don't know. You know, Somebody's got to watch the sheep. Let's go to Bethlehem. Boss is going to get mad if we just... Let's go to Bethlehem. Well, we're just shepherds. We're kind of down here on the social standing of you know, the Christ. Let's go to Bethlehem, which is exactly what they say. Let's go to Bethlehem and, and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has told us about. So, they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said. They get to Bethlehem. They find the manger. They find the mother. They find the dad. They find the baby just exactly as the angel told them they would. So what do they do? What do these shepherds do with what they've seen? What do these shepherds do with what they've heard? What do these shepherds do with what they've experienced this very unusual night? They did exactly what you would do. They posted it on Facebook. <laughs> because that's what you do when something amazing happens to you. You want everyone to know. You want everyone to see. You put pictures on Instagram. You're not going to believe what happened to me last night. This never happened before. Well, they didn't put it on social media, but they did tell everyone they knew. They told their wives. They told their parents. They told their children. They told their neighbors. They told their other shepherds. Something amazing has taken place. Angels appeared to us. We saw it. We heard it. We went and saw the child. We found Mary and Joseph and this baby. They're, they're calling him Jesus, but, but we know he's the one. He is the anointed one. 
And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to him. We're telling everyone we know. Fast forward 30 years from that night. The night when those angels witnessed that amazing thing and they walked to Bethlehem and saw Jesus in the, in the manger. Fast forward 30 years from that night. Think about those shepherds 30 years later. Maybe some of them have died. I don't know. We don't know how many there were. They'd at least be middle-aged men 30 years later, wouldn't they? And I wonder if they ever got together 30 years later. I wonder if they were still, you know, working together. Maybe they were related. I don't know. I wonder if they ever had conversations with their wives that went like this. Whatever happened to that baby? You know, that was 30 years ago. Boy, that was a long time ago. 30 years goes by quickly, though, doesn't it? I wonder whatever happened to Jesus. You know, I was so sure that things were going to change. Doesn't seem like anything's changed 30 years later. I was so sure that things were going to be different. Doesn't seem like things are different 30 years later. Now, I know I didn't imagine all that. That was real. I saw it. I heard it. I was there. It was real. But I wonder why nothing's changed. I wonder why nothing's happened. Where is he now? Have you ever wondered that? I wonder where Jesus is now. I haven't seen him. I haven't heard from him. I haven't experienced him in a long time. Now, I remember the day I met him. That was real. I remember that. Oh, I was sure then. I was sure he was the Christ. But that was a long time ago. No, nothing's really changed. Nothing's really happened. It seems like maybe Jesus has just kind of disappeared. Do you ever feel that way? And I suspect maybe some of you feel that way during this season, the Christmas season. A season that we talk about so much joy. But for a lot of people, this is the hardest season of the year. For a lot of people, there's no joy during this time of the year. Usually because someone that they've shared a lot of joy with isn't here this time of year. Maybe for the first time, maybe for the 20th time, it never gets easier. You know, we pray for joy and peace. If that's your situation today, I, I pray for peace. If you can't find joy, I, I pray for peace. And maybe you're wondering, where's Jesus? It's been a long time. I, I was so hoping that things would be different. Where is he now? Well, what those shepherds didn't realize was that 30 years after they saw that baby in the manger, 30 years after they'd first met Jesus, what they didn't realize was very shortly, Jesus was going to make himself known. In a pretty amazing way, Jesus was going to make himself known. Luke chapter 3. Now, Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. And then I like this next verse, the next, next sentence. He was the son so it was thought, of Joseph. He was the son, so it was thought, of Jesus of Joseph. But of course, he wasn't the actual son of Joseph. He is the son of God. Thirty years later, thirty years after the angel, 
30 years after the glory of God shining around these shepherds, 30 years after the star, 30 years after walking and finding a baby in a manger, 30 years after hearing glory to God in the highest, sung by the, the armies of heaven, Jesus is about to do something amazing. And he's operating on God's timetable. And I remind you again, I think for the third week in a row, of what Paul said in the book of Galatians. But when the right time came, when the right time came, God sent his son born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who are slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. Paul said, when the right time came, Jesus showed up. If you've ever been wondering, where's Jesus? Haven't seen him in a long time. Well, it was a long time ago. I remind you of what Jesus told his disciples right when he left the, uh, the earth. One of the last things he said, I'm with you always to the end of the age. I'm here. You are not alone. I'm with you. Yeah, but I don't see him. And I don't feel him. And I'm not experiencing him. And he seems so far away. How do I know? How do I know He's here? How do I know He cares? How do I know He loves me? How do I really know that I can trust Him? Well, you really know all those things because, because God proved it once and for all. Parents, you have had this feeling before. You've had this thought. Or if you're not a parent, your parents have had this feeling before if you had good parents or even if you had one good parent, and the feeling, the thought kind of goes like this. If only my children knew. If only they knew how much I loved them. If only somehow I could impress upon them how desperately I want the best for them. If only they knew. I don't sit awake at night trying to dream up ways to make your life miserable. Okay? If, they just, if I could just tell them, if I could just show them, if I could just prove to them how much I love them, then they would trust me. If only they knew, how can I impress upon them how much I love them? How can I impress upon them how desperately I want the best life for them? I want them to have it all. We've all had those kinds of feelings towards our children. Guess what? God has those same feelings towards his children. If only they knew how much I love them. If only they knew how desperately I want the very best for them. Then they would trust me. Then they would know that what I say is for their own good. How does God prove that? You know, I had a hard time proving that to my children, and they were in the car with me. You know, they're sitting across the table. You know, I start trying to tell them these things, and their eyes glaze over like, okay, can we go back to the house now? You know, whatever. How does God, the Spirit, how does God prove it to us? Well, He proved it through a conversation an angel had with Mary, and He proved it in a conversation that an angel had with Joseph, and He proved it through a conversation that an angel had with some shepherds. An angel told Mary, he will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. His kingdom will never end. 
And then an angel told Joseph, she'll give birth to a son and you're to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. We talked about that last week, that we haven't just been forgiven, we've been set free from the power of sin. And then the angel told the shepherds, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. God proved His love for us when He sent a Savior whose reign would never end, who frees us from the power of sin. The Apostle Paul, by the way, if you don't like Christians, I don't know what you're doing here today, but if, if you don't like Christians, you ought to pay attention to the life of the Apostle Paul. Because Paul started off not liking Christians. In fact, Paul started off putting Christians to death. But then he met Jesus. And Paul realized, the more I understand Jesus, the more I understand God. And the better I understand God, the better I understand Jesus. And Paul would say this as he wrote a letter to a group of Christians in Rome. But God demonstrates, present tense. He demonstrates. He shows us. He didn't just talk about it. God proves it. But God demonstrates. What's he demonstrate? His own love for us in this. In this. And this is what the prophets talked about. This is what the ancient scriptures have all pointed to. This is what God has demonstrated, has proven over and over again beyond a shadow of a doubt. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. If only God could prove how much he loves us, then we would trust him. God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I mentioned a couple weeks ago that our Christianity does not hinge on the birth of Jesus. As, as true, as interesting, as important as that story is, our Christianity doesn't hinge on the birth of Jesus. Our Christianity hinges on the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's go back to the shepherds. Let's go back to that, um, you know, 30 years after they first meet Jesus. 30 years after they had the conversation with the angel. 30 years after the armies of heaven have, have, have uh, appeared and, and they visited Jesus in the manger. What were those shepherds thinking 30 years later? And I had this conversation with Martha while I was uh, preparing for this lesson this past week. And, and I told Martha, they had to be really disappointed, didn't they? I mean, maybe frustrated. I would think they were probably a little bit um, feeling like, man, we've given up hope. It's not going to happen. And Martha said, I don't think so. I think they believed. Why? Well, an angel had a conversation with Mary, and she believed. An angel had a conversation with Joseph, and he believed. I think when an angel has a conversation with you, you, you probably believe what the angel says. And you know what? I think she's right. I hope she's right. I don't know what those uh, uh, shepherds were thinking. We don't know anything else about them after that night. But I hope she's right. Even though it appeared that nothing had changed, the reality is everything has changed. And even though it appeared that, that God's not really involved in the lives of us people down here on earth, 
the reality is God could not be more involved in our lives. And even though it might have appeared that darkness was gaining the upper hand, the light of the world had appeared. There's a quote that I want to leave you with this morning. I'm not sure where it comes from. I've seen it attributed to four or five different sources. So I don't know who said it first. But it's this one. In the end, everything will be okay. It's not okay. It's not the end. It's a good quote. And really, I think that's kind of the message of Scripture, isn't it? I think Jesus gets the credit for this one. In the end, everything will be okay. If it's not okay, it's not the end. Those shepherds who were wondering, you know, whatever happened to Jesus? The same Jesus that they'd met all those years ago was about to do something that would forever change the world. When we find ourselves wondering, whatever happened to Jesus? Where is He now? Remember, it's not the end. Jesus is ready to do something amazing. We just have to give Him the invitation to do something amazing in our lives. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. You know, we think about the story of Jesus, and it's so interesting, and it's so important. And I think sometimes we forget it's amazing. The story of Jesus is amazing. From birth to death to resurrection to seated on the right hand of God. We need to tell people this amazing story of Jesus. That's a message we need to be sharing. The amazing story of Jesus. That's the message that the shepherds shared. We should be too. We've got a song that we're going to use a song of encouragement this morning. If we can help you as a family in any way, there'll be some people here at the front of the auditorium. Meet us there. Let's stand and sing.